This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome to the Rejuvenated Woman podcast. Each episode, I hope to bring you open, fun, raw, and inspiring conversations that aim to empower you on what it is to be a rejuvenated woman moving into and through your midlife years. Brought to you in partnership with Rejuvenate Pilates, I'm your host, Kathy Carr, holistic nutrition, lifestyle, and movement coach and founder of Kathy Carr Coaching. Grab your favorite bevy, put your feet up, and tune into what I hope will shed some light on topics around your overall health and well being. Hello, and welcome to the Rejuvenated Woman podcast. I would certainly say my guest today is a rejuvenated and well-embodied woman and simply a divine human being who I adore. Let me introduce you to Helen Patteron. Helen is a clinical naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, public speaker, lecturer, retreat facilitator and author. She has been in clinical practice for 19 years She is a best-selling co-author of the books, The Complete Gut Health Cookbook and Bubby Yum Yum, Foods to Thrive for New Parents, Babies and Toddlers. Helen has contributed chapters to the peer-reviewed textbooks Clinical Naturopathic Medicine and Advanced Clinical Naturopathic Medicine by Leah Heckman. Working from the foundation of food as medicine, Helen loves to work with individuals and communities to empower them to find the joy in being well. Working with hundreds of children with ASD, autism, early in her career has taught Helen invaluable lessons in healing for the rest of the population, chronic, multi-system, inflammatory conditions. These children have been massive guiding lights for many. Helen is also an ambassador for the Mind Foundation and Inner Origin. Her clinical areas of interest are gut health, SIBO, inflammatory bowel disease, IBS, autoimmune disease, including but not limited to Hashimoto's thyroiditis, MS, rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, allergies, ADHD, chronic fatigue syndrome, anxiety and depression, and the journey of know thyself. Wow. So now you know why I'm so excited to have Helen on this show. Welcome, gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I almost burst into tears then just the way that you introduced me and, you know, I really felt that in my heart, the love from you then, so thank you. You're so welcome. I love you. Me too. So we won't just have this love thing. Today's topic, the reason why I brought this um, incredible woman on the show today, we're not going to talk about the food or anything because – you know, you can search Helen on many platforms and you'll be able to hear about her talking about food and how she contributes to the health of the collective. Today, I wanted to bring Helen on to speak about trauma, such a valid topic, I think, for every single one of us, because I feel, correct me if I'm wrong, we all have our share of trauma. So, this, the trauma can actually hinder our physical, emotional, mental and spiritual health. So darling, what guided you to navigate the path of studying and working with patients dealing with trauma? Mm. 
Yeah, well, first of all, totally agree. I think, you know, part of the experience of being human is to experience trauma. I mean, birth in itself is a, a traumatic event, you know, and um, we're stronger for it. Um, but there are, you know, traumas that can occur throughout our life, whether it is unresolved birth trauma or whether it is things that have happened later on that um, really impact how we function as humans, basically, physically, mentally and emotionally. So the way I came about it was really through my own journey. So I guess, you know, I've been in clinical practice now for 21 years, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like, you know, I'm old enough to say that, (laughs) but apparently I am. And um, I guess, you know, for the last roughly 21 years, I've been on a big journey of heal myself. And especially for around the last 18 years where I've done a lot of my own therapy, counselling, trauma, healing along the way, that has really opened up my eyes and my heart and just my experience to all the different flavours of life that there is for us to engage with, yeah. And so it's one of those things, you know, many years ago I probably would have said, I haven't experienced any trauma, you know. I've had a really happy, you know, life and very fortunate family and all of those kinds of things. But we only ever know what's normal for us, right? And what we have um, experienced becomes our template for how we see the rest of the world. And these days, you know, unless there is some profound shock trauma, so shock trauma is something that, is very obvious kind of trauma. It can be assault, it can be rape, it can be um, uh, violence, uh, crime, it can be um, natural disasters even. You know, it could be a car accident, it can be any of these kinds of things. So we tend to really understand those things as trauma. But one thing that we don't tend to understand so much within our own experience is developmental trauma or emotional trauma. And this is the kind of trauma that is like a million micro arrows over time and it happens subtly. And so we don't actually realise the impact on how it affects our nervous system and therefore how we express ourselves in the world. So that can often be, I'm not going to, yeah, not necessarily the harder trauma to work with, but it can be the more confusing one because there's often still love involved with it or good intentions involved with it, however, wasn't necessarily healthy, you know. So that's where it can get really confusing. Um, And I guess, yeah, so a combination of doing my own work over the years with a therapist who I still see regularly now. She's like my spiritual mama. Um, And then through my clinical, yes, that's right. So Karima, who wrote that book, Becoming Whole, which is a a manual for being human, basically. It's one of those books that you will go back to and refer to over and over like, 
I'm feeling guilty at the moment or I'm feeling angry at the moment or I feel shame at the moment or I feel joy at the moment or, you know, and you can go to the part in that book to kind of understand that more and also bring a lot more compassion and kindness to ourselves and allow things to transform and transmute rather than to hold on to them with, you know, shame or anything like that. Um, But, yeah, through my clinical practice and working with a lot of really chronically ill patients, one thing I really noticed over the last couple of decades is the more severely ill someone is or the more chronically ill someone is, the less of an idea they have of what gives them joy, which is really a symptom of being disconnected from yourself disconnected from one another and disconnected from nature. And so a big part of um, the way that I work with people is to really focus on those joys and reconnecting with the self because it's usually those parts of us that are in our shadows, what we call our shadow work, that can often come um, laden with a sense of shame and heaviness and wanting to hide Um, if we can step into those places with some compassion, you know, the heart is so important in all of this work, then we can actually get much more connected with ourselves and then our actions and our life will be much more aligned with who we are rather than living someone else's life because of conditioning and societal shoulds and family upbringing and schooling and all of those kinds of things that put all of these layers upon layers upon layers of our essential selves. Mm-hmm. So multi, multi-level, uh, I guess, degrees of trauma. Whether Absolutely. It, it could, not necessarily an event, but it could be a thought or a, correct me if I'm wrong, a behaviour that we've adapted from perhaps a like a trauma like someone telling us something would it would that have a yeah, kind of, absolutely an effect yeah. yeah so a lot of developmental trauma for example predominantly occurs in the first few years of life because as humans we are very dependent on our caregivers you know other animals in nature are you know walking within hours of their birth (laughs) and finding food and all of those kinds of things but for us we are very dependent on our caregivers for several years before we're able to be independent, right? And so as a result, we tend to shape our behaviours in a way that we believe will keep our caregivers looking after us, yeah? So we will have these protective behaviours of if there is a perceived threat to our safety or security, to our need to be loved, to be fed, to be sheltered, if there's a perceived threat to those things, we'll adapt our behaviour, maybe shut down parts of ourselves because it wasn't okay to be a certain way, like, you know, don't don't scream in front of me or don't be angry because I don't like the way that that makes me feel, you know. So you learn to shut down those parts of yourself and not actually express yourself because if you do, you're going to be responsible for how that other person feels. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that now. Like how many people do you speak to who go, I look after other people's needs before I look after my own. I sabotage myself 
to make sure someone else is okay. Probably and in doing so, I make myself sick. Mm. Sometimes I even like kill myself to put others before me, you know. And this is one thing that can really make us sick. So, yes, we want to be able to look after and take care of other people, but we also need to take care of ourselves because if we don't take care of ourselves as adults, we can't really take care of others to a effective degree either. Okay, so a lot of the healing of our developmental trauma from childhood, you know, Well, first of all, it's important to say that a lot of the time our parents, you know, are doing everything with the utmost love and good intention, right? The the last thing any, well, the last thing almost any parent wants to do is inflict trauma on their child, yeah? So a lot of this trauma actually is unintentional and comes from a space of of love so it's not to play a blame game here it's just that's what it is because they were wounded as well right so we've got wounded people unintentionally wounding people and when we become aware of that wounding it becomes our responsibility to then reparent ourselves and heal those wounds yeah and when we do that it affects not only us but it affects those around us whether it's in our um communities our families any of the in and our greater collective as well like one of the things thomas hubel talks about he's a a guy whose um jam is collective trauma um really worth looking up so he's a a German guy who has lived, you know, part in Germany, part in Israel, so places where there's a lot of collective trauma. And the thing that he keeps coming back to is the way to heal collective trauma is for us each to heal individually because that changes the way that we are in the world. It changes our interactions with other people in our world. It essentially might sound a bit, woo-woo but it's actually how it is it changes the field it changes the energy around and the more people who do that the greater that bubble that field grows you know and it it's influences everybody knows if you feel bad juju bad vibes you feel it if you feel good vibes you you feel it you know it's something that permeates you and it affects you so the more that we can all do our own healing the more that that permeates those who are around us and the more that that then spreads so I think part of you know it's a really appropriate thing at the moment or an apt thing at the moment in the world with the degree of collective trauma that's going on and all this stuff for the greater good and don't be selfish and don't do you know there's too much thinking about me and not about we but it's not as simple as that because to think about we, we have to think about me. You I know? before we. Before. Each me is part of the we. Yeah, each me is part of the we. You know, so you can't you can't just think about the we without the me. And as you know, one of our friends and mentors, Paul Check, would say, you know, when you're creating your vision and your purpose and your dream in the world. You need to come first, you know, and that took me a bit of coaching because I would always as well put other people first. I'm like, I want to, you know, uh, facilitate transformation in others and myself. And he's like, what's wrong with that statement? 
Mm. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, it seems pretty great to me. <laughs> and he's like, look at it, you know, keep looking at it, read it. And what I, what he was getting at was I needed to put me before everyone else. So I facilitate transformation within myself and the others rather than others and myself. If we all do that, we're all living and acting from a much more resourced, powerful place than putting ourselves last. Mm, 100%. I love that. And it's something, yeah, we're always encouraging our clients and you probably agree that it's the women usually are the ones that are outsourcing and putting themselves last and caring for everyone else and I appreciate yeah you are I feel you you're the earth mother and yeah we do need to heal this wound because trauma is the wound right yeah is that what you would define trauma as a wound you mentioned also about you know that disassociation the learned pattern when we disassociate ourselves or we kind of shut ourselves down it's a protecting mechanism yes so if you know, if birth is a traumatic experience, um, I know that mine was, um, and I know you know when I had my son Ryan, he was born premature, so that he was in a stress response. So, how would someone go about healing from that phase? I mean, you've done decades of work, you mentioned, and it is very deep work. Where does where would someone start with that? How would they? identify that it has come from there or do they really need to see you a a specialist to help them unpack that besides looking into this beautiful book Mm. I think you know the path is different for everybody there's a lot of really um, powerful modalities so one that I am um, two-thirds of the way through studying and something I practice myself is um, somatic experiencing, which um, we can go into a little bit in a moment, but there can be other ways to go about it as well. I mean, when it comes to birth trauma, there are people who specifically specialise in that area. Um, There are some uh, doulas who do that kind of work, like post-birth, integration of the experience that happens there are you know ceremonies that you can do after birth there's like a ceremony called the closing of the bones for example um, which some doulas will help facilitate which can really help to round out that experience of what the birth was and the mother coming back to themselves after being so open in the process of giving birth Um, and you know Good doulas as well, really, if you're going into a second birth, we'll always want to make sure anything from the first birth that has not yet been processed has been processed, yeah, has the opportunity to be processed and healed so that that's not then taken into the second birth, the fears and the anxieties of whatever may have happened before. Do not need to have any bearing on what can happen in future when that is healed, yeah. So um, there's, yeah, all sorts of people who do that kind of healing work. A dear friend of ours, um, Heidi East, does some of that work with women, which is really powerful. And, yeah, she knows she knows a collective of other women who do similar kind of work too. So, um, 
you know, we, I mean, I'm probably not the best person to speak about our birth culture, but um, there's a fantastic movie called Birth Story, which I highly recommend everybody have a watch of, man, woman and child, because we all came into the world that way. Um, And we are also, I think, one thing that we need to bear in mind that does create a lot of birth trauma these days is the kind of patriarchal medical system and the medicalized medicalization of birth as well. So both of those things can actually increase the um, layers of trauma that a woman might experience as she's giving birth. So having real um, matriarchal guidance through that experience can be super empowering and result in a very different birth experience or can result in healing of traumas that occurred as a result of the current mainstream system. Yeah. Wow, so powerful, really powerful work. That is. I have so much respect for that work, yeah. Mm. Because when you talk about, you know, in the birthing process, I think with that medical model and sometimes, you know, we need it, but just by, you know, because I think when everyone plans to have a a child, we have a kind of an idea of how we want it to be. But even just the thought of things not going to plan, and most of the time they don't, but it's just having that idea and then I guess the interventions that the medical model can have, they kind of prevent the natural process of it, it happening, right, which is a, a trauma in itself? Yeah, it can do. And, you know, our bodies are incredible. Our bodies are so wise. They hold so much information, so much intelligence that we're not even aware of in our minds, you know. Um, and sometimes it is a matter of trusting that as well. It's not to say there's never a place for medical intervention. Of course, okay. there is a place for it, but it needs to be used judiciously rather than um, as a course of action, yeah, all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm. But um, in regards to other types of avenues or where to start with people, I mean, even things like dance or acting or yoga or any of these kinds of things can actually be really powerful Um, tools for healing trauma because they're all things that help us get back into our body, right? And one of the things that trauma does is takes us out of our body. It's that that dissociation and we're just in our head and our head is making meaning of what we're feeling even though it isn't necessarily um, correct at the time because what will happen as well from developmental trauma is we'll be as an adult in a situation that might reflect in some way similar dynamics to how things were when that trauma was created as a child. And so then even though we are safe and secure now, we'll react or play that old record of when I was in this kind of dynamic before, this is how I respond and this is my protective mechanism. And that might actually now sabotage us, whereas before it protected us. So one thing we want to really be mindful of as well is that we approach these parts of ourselves with a lot of compassion, big open-hearted compassion, because it can be super easy, I'll speak from my own experience, to get like really 
um, critical or judgy or frustrated or whatever, shameful about having a certain behaviour or feeling a certain trauma. But the truth of the matter is that was there to protect us and it was really valuable. At one point in time, it's what kept us safe. Sometimes it's what kept us alive, you know. So we want to be really grateful for that and approach it with compassion because when we approach something with compassion, you can maybe even feel it a little bit in your body now. If you approach a part of yourself that you feel a bit um, tense or tight or critical about, imagine approaching that part with compassion rather than just with harsh judgment. And what you'll likely notice is that that part softens a little bit, yeah? Whereas if we approach it with this hard criticism, it's going to tense up and walls are going to go up and it's going to hold on tighter. So it's that that open-heartedness that helps it to transmute. So bringing that into um, awareness is really important and then things that bring us into our body is really important and being able to feel things because part of dissociation is that is too uncomfortable or terrifying or devastating to feel I'm out of here yeah and so that's when you're like I'm fine you know I'm fine it's like no you're not (laughs) get in there and feel what's going on there yeah. Because your body is this incredible antenna or barometer. It, if we connect with it, it gives us so much feedback and it really provides the invitation of where we need to go for the healing as well, you know, and you can, you can do it on your own with like body scans and just kind of going through your body head to toe and um, just sensing what you feel, where it feels tight, where it feels loose, where it feels uncomfortable, where it feels hard to go to, um, where it feels dead, um, where it feels soft. Like you can just go through and kind of map out your body and if there's any parts that don't feel nice in one way or another, that's where you can, if it feels comfortable, or even a little bit uncomfortable, just to tiptoe up to it with a bit of compassion and just kind of be a little bit curious about it with compassion rather than, oh, it's tight there. Why is it tight there? I've been doing all this work and it's still tight and I'm wondering. It's like, oh, you're tight there. I wonder what that's about. It's okay. You can be tight. If you want to be tight, you can be tight. Oh, that's beautiful. And just allowing it to be what it is will help it soften, you know. Um, I do. <laughs> I just like get hire... the, the feels. It's Yeah, it's kind of like stroking yeah. your hand here, right, to give some self-love and compassion. Yeah, and sometimes, yeah, and actually self-touch is a really beautiful way to help to get yourself back in your body. Like people might want to experiment that uh, with that a little bit now you know we can whether you're sitting or standing you one tool that you can use to just bring yourself back to the present and back in your body especially if you're feeling stressed or anxious or your mind is racing or anything like that is first either on your arm or your leg 
just kind of feel the surface of your body. See where your body ends, where the barriers of your body is. Feel your skin. And then a little bit deeper, you just feel what's under your skin or how your skin slides, how your fascia slides. And then you can really feel your bone, like feel where your bones are. And you'll often find just by doing that little practice, which you can do in a minute or three, you'll notice your heart rate slows down, you feel calmer. Did you notice that yourself just now? Totally, because I was not thinking of anything else but just feeling. It's that connection of the somatic, well, the psyche and the soma, so the mind and the body, right? Hi, Karen here from Rejuvenate Pilates. If you're living on the Sunshine Coast and would like to prioritise your health, de-stress, increase your strength, flexibility, tone up or decrease your back pain or any other pain in your body, then come and see us for your free Rejuvenate Movement Assessment. We'll ask you some questions, do a few non-sweaty tests and give you our recommended and individualised action plan. To prioritise your self-love and care today, call us on 54793896 or go to our website and book in online through rejuvenatepilates.com.au for your free Rejuvenate Movement Assessment. We look forward to helping you reach your goals. Yeah, and that's what somatic experiencing is, right? So somatic to feel. We want to get back into the feeling body because, and this is one of the ways, one of the reasons why it's so effective as a trauma therapy is because a lot of the time if we've got, you know, psychological trauma, for example, that's resulted from either something emotional, psychological, physical, sexual, whatever it might have been, as a result we get psychological trauma anyway, right? We have stories and beliefs that arise because of that. We can go to counselling and we can go to psychotherapists and we can go to psychiatrists and we can talk about it until the cows come home. And sometimes talking about it can give really valuable insights and understanding about why we react in a certain way when we're in a certain situation but it usually does very little to actually change those behaviors when we're in that situation and we get triggered and then we just find ourselves reacting in that way again so that's called a top-down approach to therapy where you're working with the mind to understand and get insight and try and you know work logically to change a habit or behavior but humans are not very logical creatures at the essence of things. We're emotionally driven, right? <laughs> I had to laugh. It's just and so, <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Just that comment was quite relevant now <laughs> in these times. <laughs> Continue. Sorry, darling. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's all right. And so what somatic therapy is or somatic experiencing is is what is called a bottom-up approach. So rather than working with your mind to try and change your reactions and behaviours, you're working with your body and your nervous system to change your mind essentially, right? Because what trauma is is first and foremost a physiological response, not an not an emotional response, not a 
psychological response. First and foremost, it's a physiological response in um, response to a stress. So our nervous system registers at first. It's not safe, right? And typically speaking, trauma persists because in the mind because we were in a position when we experienced it where there wasn't the safety or the time or the empathic other to finish that process with. And so it is stored in our nervous system and that's where the record keeps playing from is that pent-up tension in the nervous system. And so that's um, where somatic experiencing comes in because sometimes the body remembers what the mind doesn't and it blows my mind every time I witness this in myself or others. It's just it's phenomenal. It's described in great detail in books like the Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk and um, When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate. And when we work with the sensation and the impulse to move in certain ways, for example, or to make certain sounds or whatever it might be, if we allow that impulse, what would happen next? And just allowing that thing to happen next. And then it's amazing the discharge that happens from the nervous system. And you'll see as these processes unfold, and there's many layers of them, but every time there's a discharge, there'll either be some yawning or some tears or a, a change in the breath and a drop in the shoulders or a flush of heat through the body or something like that. So, and then this greater sense of peace afterwards. And there's many, many layers of that that you can go through within even a single session you know so that is it's rewiring or re not even rewiring it's just discharging that tension so that then in future when you find yourself in that similar situation where you'd normally react you're like oh I felt a little bit of a activation there but it's actually not bothering me so much this time Mm. or I still reacted, but I noticed it sooner this time, whereas before I might not have realised I did that until a day or two or a week later. It's like, oh, I did that thing. Okay, compassion with itself. That's interesting. And then each time you either notice a bit sooner or get triggered a bit less or it just doesn't bother you anymore or you can just see it for what it is rather than um, it activating your nervous system again. So fascinating. So, it's, yeah, it's really, as that saying says, our issues are stored in our tissues. It's held in the connective tissue, which is, you know, the hierarchy really of our system. I wanted to That's share. Right. I wanted. I find it incredibly fascinating um, that you can release. I'll share a little story. I um, got knocked down. I was waiting for a bus and I was... At, on the footpath where I stepped out on the footpath to catch the bus and I was knocked for six by a mountain bike rider on the footpath. And um, it shook, I mean, physically, obviously, you know, I, I was damaged. But I remember two or three weeks after and a friend of mine who does psychosomatic counselling um, she said, how are you? And I said, I feel fine on the outside but I, I'm still rattled. I feel rattled on the inside and I think that's just so relevant of what you just shared there because, you know, yeah, I felt okay on the outside but there was just still something there and I had a session with her 
And it was so interesting. She was getting me to move in a way that I would have responded if I had have seen the person coming to hit me. So my body, she moved. Oh, yeah. I'm getting tingles again. So listeners, every time I get tingles, it's just, you know, I'm on the right thing. And it's, you know, it's kind of that right path. You know, you're in the right place at the right time. Um, Yeah, so I found that really, really fascinating. And after I did that work, it was okay. However, if someone comes up behind me on a bike, I will notice, but I don't have that, oh my gosh, you know, that response. It's kind of, I was thinking, um, because I did get pulled over by the cops the other day, um, it's that if you see a a flashing light behind you, it's like, (gasps) oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) It's kind of a traumatic experience. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I just thought that I just felt compelled to share that just with that somatic therapy and shifting it out of the body with, you know, with a therapist or with some of the tools that you've just said. I love that kind of just closing your eyes and touching and feeling and really connecting to self again. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the. Yeah, yeah. So, that's before you <laughs> go on. Yeah, the, the touching and the self touch is a great way to ground and center and. And what you shared is a perfect example of that impulse to move where you didn't have the opportunity to, that impulse to protect yourself where you didn't have the opportunity to. And then to like often by really, really slowing that movement down so that your nervous, you know, if you were pushing something away or something like that, it might it might look like this. It was like that. So slow. Uh, yeah. and then it's amazing once that comes to a point of completion you would have noticed afterwards you felt like a either a temperature change in your body or tears come or a sigh or something some kind of let go yeah yeah it actually amalgamated the two sides of my body because it felt set because it you know I was hit from one side Mm. so I felt Mm. together (laughs) I've yeah felt yeah yeah, more intact Yeah, more intact and complete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, perfect example. Um, I love Gabor Mate. Mate? Matt. Gabor, I mean, Australian would probably say Gabor, mate. Um, but he's, <laughs> he's French, isn't he? I absolutely love his work. Oh. Beg your pardon? Polish Canadian. Polish Canadian. Are you just like, he sounds, oh, he's French Canadian. That's probably why. I lived in Canada, the French Canadians. But anyway, um, he talks about the, as you have discussed today, about that birth and having that, um, the psychological, it affects the development. And, you know, when we're having that stress response in utero, it can have that responsivity up to the age of 45 and onwards, right? So you we, we talked about the birth process what about when a woman comes into perimenopause and menopause and she's got all of these things happening in like the womb and the utero um you know some of them are getting hysterectomies where Mm. can you share where that may have stemmed from i know we know lifestyle factors that can play a part of these symptoms and things and some surgeries we have to go to through as we get older but is it more does it come from more of a traumatic response from earlier on in your opinion what can you share like having um having menstrual or womb issues is that so say, yeah where does that come from? 
Yes, because I did meant I did hear him say, you know, there's something, for example, around the ovaries. You know, if there was, say, you had cysts on the ovaries, it could have been a psychological trauma that has impacted that. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, that goes for any part of the body at any point in time, like you often talk about as well with autoimmune um, disease, there's often a suppression of anger and a lack of boundaries, right? Because your immune system is your physical boundary representative um, of your emotional boundaries. So if your emotional boundaries are leaky, letting in things that shouldn't come in, that kind of thing, start attacking ourselves because we're not, you know, we're putting others first, then that can manifest in autoimmune conditions, right? Um, And particularly with things like thyroid, there's usually a lot of boundaries issues and a lot of like the throat is about expression as well. So it's like what aren't you expressing? What needs to be expressed and where do you need to have stronger boundaries in place? Uh, Two big questions for anybody who's got Hashimoto's thyroiditis, for example. Yeah. Um, with menstrual issues um, throughout throughout the years, like there can be a range of different things. I find that there's often a lot of shame around things like um, endometriosis, not around the condition, although there can be shame around the condition itself, but shame can be one of those things that seeds the condition where we feel shame about um, ourselves, about being a woman, about our sexuality, about our sensuality, like we're in this incredibly, again, patriarchal um, society these these days, these last few thousand years, <laughs> you know, and it's something I never really gave much heed to in the past myself because really I grew up a tomboy and so I thought I felt empowered because I was a strong girl and all of those kinds of things but I didn't realize until you know relatively recent years and it keeps deepening more and more in the last few years and I'm sure it will continue to just how much of my feminine power I put aside to take on the masculine power, yeah? But that doesn't sit so comfortably in my system. You know, it does fatigue me. It does create inflammation. It does, in the past, I had really, like, excruciatingly painful to the point of vomiting period pain in my teens and early 20s, you know, and PCOS and probably wouldn't surprise me if I did have some endometriosis back in the day. You know, I did carry a lot of shame around bleeding and being a woman, you know, mm. whereas these days, yeah, I celebrate that a lot more. And I really, I think one thing as women if and young girls, if we can have, you know, initiation and ritual and ceremony and appreciation and reverence for our cycles and the power of our cycles, if I heard myself saying this, 15 years ago it'd be like what is she talking about (laughs) you know this rubbish and now I'm like holy shit it's really powerful you know like women are so powerful (laughs) and a lot of our power comes from our womb and so for women reconnecting with your womb super powerful work doing healing around that super powerful 
I know I have done a lot of healing there and I still have a lot more healing to do myself with my womb and that's something that I'm embarking on at this point in time as well. And the more I tap into that, the more I feel powerful in a really fierce and gentle way at the same time, you know, like true power, inner power, inner knowing, connected to my intuition, connected to um, my conviction, having a stronger sense of myself, not being so swayed or not caring so much what other people say, think or do, like this is me, you know, and being able to stand in that, being bodied in that, yeah. So I think in general it's my feeling that that is a pandemic, you know, we've got a a culture of women who have been shamed basically, right, or who are feeling shame and who are disconnected from the power of their womb, you know. So this is, um, I think, incredibly powerful work, which I really am only just, you know, stepping into myself over the last few years. So, And it's really rich and I get really excited about diving deeper into it. I, I, yeah, I just, I know it's powerful work as well. Part of me just wants to cry because it's just, I'm so happy to have this conversation. I, the tears are coming because of that shame, because I see it. I, you know, it's everywhere. I have a little shame as well. Um, and I think it's accepting that and speaking it, communicating it, even just voicing, you know, Mm -hmm. I hold shame or I've been shamed, I'm feeling shamed for whatever reason. I love that you are are nurturing and really honouring the womb. And the a little image came into my mind when you were talking about a woman stepping into a power of um, one of my favourite songs of The Greatest Showman with the woman who has the beard. She's ste- I'm going to get emotional again. She steps, you know, look out because here we come. Uh, the marching mm. of the beat of the drum. This is me, you know. Um, I just love that song and I just I felt that image come to, through when you said, you know, we need to be in our power. And I think this is why I, you know, focus on women in midlife because there's so many women of all ages, but I think, you know, they feel so lost and they have lost themselves, they've lost their power and they've disassociated with themselves, right? Mm, Absolutely. And I think, you know, at that age as well, there's been decades of putting other people first and there's been decades of surviving in a man's world. I still judge myself for saying these things because years ago, (laughs) you know, I have to keep giving these caveats because years ago if I heard a woman saying this, I'd be like, oh, get over it, you know, it's no big deal. (laughs) It actually is a big deal, you know, so it really has been this man's world, right? So we and we're in this real confused state, men and women, you know, we've kind of we've got women who are being more masculine and men confused about what it is to be men and trying to be more, you know, new age and soft and sure maybe there was some of both of that needed on both sides but we've just got so like grey on all of that that we've got everybody kind of trying to be the same and not being what the other needs. Like we need the warriors and we need the 
priestesses and the goddesses and the, you know, the warriors on both sides, that feminine energy and that masculine energy. And when they're both healthy, we both thrive. So it's not just, you know, poor women in this situation, like the men are suffering too because they're not in their power either, you know. Um, So it's up to each of us to be, yeah, reclaiming that, you know, and I think when we look at menopausal symptoms as well, like menopause isn't meant to be a disease or a medical condition, right? It's a natural um, cycle, a change of cycle, a change of phase in our life, you know. So just like going through puberty is, you know. Um, And so when we have the right environment for that and the right support for that, it can be a really beautiful, smooth process. It's this time of coming into greater wisdom, greater intuition, you know. You're becoming more of the sage. It's like there's some real yummy, juicy feelings to all of that, you know. Ooh, but there is, there again, is. we're in this culture. That's right. And But, again, we're in this culture that has, you know, certain um, judgments about aging in general, you know, which is not helpful and is quite a modern thing. You know, we used to really respect and revere our elders and now they're in nursing homes with nobody visiting them, you know. So there's there's a lot of elements to it and that's that creates more trauma as it is. But I guess, yeah, what I was getting at there with menopause is that um, – for all these different reasons, there's like this hardening, you know, like the feminine's really soft and has flow um, and the masculine is more like solid and, and direction. We've got a lot of women, myself included, who, you know, are really focused on the direction side of things and less about the flow. So that's been a big, you know, challenge and lesson and experience of mine in my life of embracing the gentleness and the softness and the fluidity more and and not worry so much about the direction all the time, yeah. And if we get to menopause and we're still in that, you know, get stuff done, fix things, resolve other people's problems, hold on, stay tight because I'm not really feeling myself, well, that's when you're going to have the symptoms, yeah, because your poor adrenal glands are kind of shot basically so they're also they also go into producing your stress hormones as a priority over producing progesterone for example so you know our adrenal glands take over sex hormone production after menopause but in terms of survival your stress hormones are more important than your sex hormones so if you're stressed you're going to be producing stress hormones same ingredients but it's going to make stress hormones and then you're going to get more menopausal symptoms like hot flushes and dry vagina and mood changes and all of that kind of stuff because you're stressed, mm-hmm. yeah? Well, there's too much heat in your liver and you're angry but you haven't expressed it, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Those kinds of things. Thank you. It's all connected. We cannot separate anything. Mm-hmm. I was usually – thank you so much for all of that. It's just, yeah, so fascinating and I, I'm very comfortable sitting here on the couch chatting to you but I, I'm mindful of your time. Uh, 
With my guests, I usually ask them what they feel a rejuvenated woman is, but I feel that you've already encapsulated that because you said, you know, there she's in her power and she's balanced that feminine and masculine energy and, you know, she's sure of herself. Would that be right mm. or would you like to add? Yeah, and I would also say um, she's practising all those things, you know, because... <laughs> Um, it it takes time and healing to get there as well. But so long as you are um, on that path, like that's the main thing. It's not about being this perfect, amazing. I've got and you know I've got my balance of masculine and feminine in play for my mum all sorted. Like it, you yes. know, it's this total flux all the time and this dance. You know, it's forever changing. It's not something that stays the same either. So I guess I would say maybe more that it is um, lovingly accepting all parts of yourself, even the ones that you typically wouldn't perceive as being lovable. Yeah. That's beautiful and that's, that meets it with a lot of love and compassion from the heart. Mm, absolutely from the heart which you're so mm. all about that's why I love you so much and I'm sure our listeners <laughs> you know going to go if they don't know Helen Patton already they will certainly be following you so darling where can our listeners find you I will put all of the links in our show notes and all of those references that you mentioned in our conversation today where can they find you to either work with you can they see you for trauma therapy yeah, so helenpatteron.com is um, my website. There's wellembodied.com.au as well, which is the clinic, but you get taken there via Helen Patteron. And on mainly Instagram and Telegram at Helen Patteron, um, Facebook as well, but I just don't get on there very often. So that also at Helen Patteron. So all of the places, well, not all of them, but enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not hard. She's not too hard to find. And I think um, I would love to bring you in in person here on the uh, on the couch. And I think you know maybe we can have a chat of doing some um, you know circles and healing things for the ladies on the the coast, or we can jump in online as well of how we can really heal that collective of the feminine energy. Yeah. Well, yeah, create create that bubble that can exude out mm-hmm. for ourselves and others. Yeah, I think that is definitely needed at this point. Donna, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I can't wait to see you in person. I know that's going to happen real soon. Um, yeah, I appreciate you and all the work that you are doing for everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you, sister. Uh, it's an honour to be here and I love and appreciate all that you are. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast episode with the beautiful Helen Patteron on trauma. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send me an email and we'll get back to you with some references or some answers most definitely. Have an awesome week. <laughs>